Welcome to another special video for Images and Words Week, celebrating the 30th anniversary of Images and Words by Dream Theater. I am joined today by a friend of mine, Peter Aurelian, and we're going to do a fun little video where we're going to rank the Images and Words songs, at least our rankings. Hey, Peter, how's it going? Good, man. Good to talk to you again. Yeah. So before we get into this, uh, you guys should all go check out Peter's channel and his podcast, Breaking Absolutes. Is that what it's called? That's Yeah, that's the name. He does awesome interviews with all sorts of metal and rock giants. He's interviewed all the all the guys from Dream Theater, Russell Allen, Michael Romeo, uh, who? Mark Tremonti, Matt Heafy, all kinds of people. Nightwish people. Anyway. Yeah. He does. Good he does. A, he does a really good job of of asking good in depth questions and having quite long interviews in some cases. So. Uh, yeah, sometimes too long. <laughs> no, no, it's great. He has a seven hour inter- interview with Russell Allen. It's awesome. Um, but uh, Peter and I have worked uh, together on a couple of things, and he's very familiar with Dream Theater. So I guess before we get into this, what is your history with Dream Theater in general, and then specifically this album? Um, well, so Dream Theater, I had I joined a band in Salt Lake City where I was born. Um, I was looking for any band. I just wanted to be in rock and roll. I kind of found myself, and um, I heard that I heard this record. The guys in the band were already listening to them, and um, this record came out. And uh, I remember as a fledgling vocalist, it was both thrilling and demoralizing because I desperately wanted to you know be at the heights of you know what a what voice could do um and hearing this it was like there i see i should cease to try yeah. <laughs> so um then i just i i fell in love with the band i was fortunate over the years i ended up moving to seattle to um meet the guys sometimes because i was doing music marketing for xbox i got to feature the band in different promotions um so i was fortunate to get backstage passes and this and that. Um, and I, I de- have developed some close friendships with some of the guys. So um, that my sometimes like in my, in my, when we get to the ranking, there's some context on some of my choices that are uh, for personal reasons that aren't going to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll explain them when we get there, but that's my backstory with the band. Okay. And also, um, Peter has some other special things with Dream Theater. He did the novelization of The Astonishing back in 2000. What was that? When did you actually put the book out? Was that 2017 after? It was after. Yeah, John desperately wanted. um, He had a vision from the beginning that that initiative that there would be the the game, which did come out, that there would be a Broadway stage production. There would be a film, obviously the tour, the album. Um, book, et cetera. And so I had, I had spoken with John a few years before, because obviously they do such narrative um, music. And I said, you should let me write a book sometime to one of your, one of your albums. And he said, yeah, let's, let's think about that. And then a few years later, when they announced the astonishing, I immediately sent him an email and said, now's the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's how that, yeah. And, and, and he'd wanted to have the, the book come out before the record. So people, that were interested had the full story before okay. they walked in to see the show, but it, uh, it just, the timing didn't work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause it takes time to write that. I'm sure they wanted to release the album in a somewhat of a, you know, 
on time sort of thing. But yeah, they, they did a lot of pre-planning. Um, but, uh, I think they just didn't realize maybe some of the, the long lead time on things like book production and writing. So yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, that's just, that's just how it goes. Um, so, so images and words was your first dream theater album then. I had listened to um, some of when when Dream and Day United, yeah, yeah. and I and I liked it. Um, but something for me, and th- I attribute a lot of this. There's some maturity in the in the songwriting for sure, but I attribute a lot of it to James. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of people have that same story. It it there was step change for me in their yeah. music when he joined. It's a big and uh, yeah, it's a big step up. I mean, it's a step up in the vocalist, but it's this big step up in, in production too. Because I th- I think there's actually quite a few good songs on When Dreaming Day Unite. There's there's a lot that I really like. Um, yeah. And when they've re-recorded them for other things, I've been like, yeah, it's a great song. But you know, a first album, a band has limited resources. So when they yeah. got to Images and Words, it seems like the budget was a lot better. But I think they they'd also you know we talk about it all the time is chemistry. I think that's is, as songwriters, yeah. I think that matured. Um, and it was just this perfect storm in in my mind of. Um, that first next level, that next gear is songwriters bringing in a world-class. I mean, I don't, I, I have to say one quick thing about Dominici is I saw on one of the, um, the special engagements, not that long ago, maybe five, 10 years now, but um, he came out and sang, he sounded better to me then than he did even back in, in his time with band. So I'm not t- trying to throw shade on him at all. I think he's really, really good vocalist. I just think James is special. Yeah. In, he in wasn't the He's a good vocalist. He just wasn't the right fit for for Dream Theater. So obviously, yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Which, which, by the way, the one little sort of um, a thing I'll say while it's in my head is it, there are these endless debates about well, you know, if we could replace the singer, and I think that um, I think that's a, a sort of a false dichotomy because I, I don't think Dream Theater is Dream Theater without James. Yeah, um, he's a you know, he's kind of a friend, so I'm a fierce defender yeah, yeah. of his. But I, I think sonically, it, you know, it's it's a mismatch if you try and put another vocalist in front of that band. So yeah, well, as far as this album goes, there's you're not going to hear anything negative about Labrie for me, <laughs> especially yeah. in these especially in these early days. You know, we could debate uh, 2022 maybe <laughs> some other time, but um, yeah. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. So why don't you kick us off with uh, your ranking of of images and words number eight we're going to go from eight up to one so my caveat is these are like this was very much like my babies yeah to, yeah you know um and this will be controversial but but number eight for me is learning to live oh wow okay our, our lists are gonna be very different <laughs> yeah our lists are gonna be different and i i love the i i went back and and listened to the whole uh, album again um yeah sort of in one contiguous listen um in preparation for this conversation and I and I love the track, um, and I, I I'm loath to say anything that that somehow denigrates it because that's if I hold it in too high regard. Yeah, yeah. But it just as a as a song, it, it's certainly in my mind the most progressive song like yeah. on the record, um, and for that reason, I know why fans adore it. But as a as a tune, especially when in the context of the rest of the album, it's the one I listened to last. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're listening to the album, it would be the one you listen to would last. Be the best. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. That and and I'll say the same thing as I rank these. Is like, I, these are all great songs. So even if it ends up at the bottom, it's still a good song. Like none of these, none of these songs on this album I dislike. So it's just like you have to try to rank them at some point. So, uh, well, my number eight's going to be another day. Um, and once again, I have no problems with this song. 
maybe maybe my main problem with this song is uh the saxophone <laughs> uh, oh really it's like that kenny g style saxophone playing which isn't really this kind of sax that i enjoy i enjoy yeah. more like the fusion you know uh more kind of crazy yeah. jazz type saxophone and obviously the playing super great um and like i saw someone do a, a guitar cover where they played the saxophone solo too and that was like to me it was like oh this sounds a lot better <laughs> but i'm a guitar uh-huh. player, so. um yeah i i don't know that this i feel like i've seen stuff in in uh interviews about it but it's a song that certainly seemed like it would be the most radio friendly on the record but it didn't really take off at radio i think the deal was that they it wasn't this one they added on afterwards like they wanted to do a change of seasons on images and words originally at some point and i think they wanted some more the the label wanted some more radio friendly songs so i think that's how this one came on mm. the album. that that me. might be the vestige of the the interview that i seem to half remember yeah um, someone in the com- I, someone in the comments will correct me i'm sure <laughs> the reason it's going to fall higher for me um when we get there is because of the reason John wrote it. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain that when I get to my pick. Yeah, that's another thing is since you're a vocalist and you you look at the lyrics a lot more than I will. So it's like yeah. the lyrics to me are fine. Like I'll notice bad lyrics, but if the lyrics are, are, are good enough, like to me, the music ends up being kind of more the focus. I will say um, the highlight of this song is this, is the vocals though. The James on this song is... Ridic- there's some absolutely ridiculous notes on this on this song yeah like towards the end and then the guitar solo is really good too i really like the solo um it does have i mean this whole album has a little bit of the the production wise a little bit of that like an 80s vibe sure and like i feel like this song leads like super like way harder into like the 80s like power ballad thing it does um, it does for sure um almost you know as though there must be one but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's also seen through or, or composed in my mind through the dream theater lens. Oh, so yeah. when I've listened to the record, while it's the one sort of balladesque tune, um, it never, I never cast it in the same sort of lot with other power ballads. Um, and again, that might have to do with uh, the subject matter a little bit. But that whole that whole section, sort of the middle, where James just starts to build, build, build vocally. Um, and it gets to those biggest notes. I've seen, I'm not going to name names, but I've seen other vocalists do versions of this that sound great. Nobody has the resonance in, in their voice the way James does when he hits those. And that's, that includes female singers. Um, there's just something about how he, he he achieves those notes, not just that he hits them. Um, that like So it's, it gives me chills when he hits that part. Oh, yeah. The, that the that whole part into the solo, that's definitely my favorite part of the song. Well, cool. So let's go on to uh, number seven for you. Uh, seven is take the time. Oh, geez. Our lists are going to be w- are way different. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I love that this is the first like metal sort of tune that I ever remember that I thought that's metal rap at the beginning. It's sort of, um, very yeah, sort yeah. Of the like, syncopated vocal part. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the breakdown section, one of my favorite on the album, um, I don't know if I just heard it a lot uh, and it was one, I know it was on the demo cause I've got some of those um, bootlegs that have the, the early demos from these guys, but it's um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of the most, it, the, the, the lyrics are cool, but they might be the most, um, I don't know, obvious or something. They, they don't have, they don't seem quite as searching yeah. uh, as some of the other tracks. And so they're, 
easier for me not to listen to lyrically. And this is, you and I differ this way that like, if I can't understand the lyrics and enjoy the content, the instrumentation will lack something for me. I think, uh, well, I'll talk about this more when we get to, when I get to this one, which will be a little bit of a while from now, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) yeah. So my number seven is going to be, I'm trying to actually remember exactly. My seven is going to be pull me under actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, I like pull me under. It's fine. Obviously, this is like their biggest hit. Uh, I think, for me, the maybe my issue with the song is the Metallica influence is too on the nose in places. Mm. And this isn't maybe the only song they they do that, but like some of those main riffs, like they're cool, but they feel very much like, you know, the the kind of low E string just kind of ripped straight from what you hear in like a Metallica <laughs> record. Yeah. But that's only yeah. really kind of like the main riff. The rest of the song's good. Uh, the chorus is great. I mean. That's probably why this is their most popular song. Um, it does miss some of the more progressive elements uh, in in places. There are there's some some of that, but I think you get a lot more of that in other songs. And obviously, that's kind of the stuff that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, nothing bad. To it say. doesn't surprise me that you you rank it down here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's nothing I've bad to say much. about it. It's just no, no. I know this is all. It's kind of like shades of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I under I understand why you've got it here. I'll I'll when we get to where mine is, which is much higher. Yeah, I'll do my defense of my <laughs> no, placement. No. Once again, I'm not like slamming it, so I you know, don't have I to know. defend it necessarily. But all right, cool. Number six. Uh, my number six is another day. Okay. All right. So you, it's, um, it's fairly on the bottom side. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, and I hate to do that because it's I I don't mean to suggest that songs that are balladesque um always fall lower for me i'm not a metalhead where i eschew um intimacy in the songwriting uh and i i I did versions of this list morgan um silly as it is just for you know a podcast um that had this much higher because he wrote this for his father yeah and um he treats that again of course later and take away my pain much more poignantly because his dad has passed at that point but his dad had gotten cancer. Mm. And so originally when I heard this song before I know, knew the backstory, um, I I thought it was an ant, sort of an anti-suicide song. It felt like someone giving someone strength in in defense of like hard choices that they might be facing. But when I read it again with the, the context of his dad, it took another, you know, life for me. And so I've had it up and down in my list, but it is at six in my in my final here. Okay. So, <laughs> well, that that does add some some something to it. I'll have to listen and read the lyrics through. I actually did listen through the album. I've listened to it a number of times because I'm doing other stuff on the channel. But I listened through it and read the lyrics one time as I listened to it, which I don't think I'd ever done before <laughs> with this album. Because um, I I by the time I got to Dream Theater in 2005, or whenever I first listened to them, like it wasn't as common to get CDs with the booklet and like, you know, read through the lyrics at that point. I was already probably, I think I bought it on on iTunes, you know, so it wasn't the sort of same same kind of a thing. Um, I do miss that though. I remember when I was younger, I'd I'd get the booklet and like read all the lyrics as the song went. And Oh man, that was, it was a, it was a ceremony. Yeah. You look at the artwork, Um, you see all the credits, you know, Yeah, you read all that. And I can't, I, I'm not, you know, that guy, Eddie trunk, like this encyclopedia for metal. Um, I couldn't tell you all the names and all the liner notes I've ever read, but I always kind of feel it's like if I really love a movie, I watch all the credits. 
um, I can't tell you all the people, but I just feel like I kind of owe it to them to at least read their name. Um, And that was for me, I was part of the excitement of getting packaging, which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen, but CD sales are up. Um, Vinyl's been up for a long time. And I think part of it is people want to have that sort of experience with the product. You don't get that digitally. So I like I like the physical element of it. But then the actual like part of like putting the CD in your thing, like skipping around, like that's kind of a pain. (laughs) Like just send me (laughs) the such a first world. Yeah, I know. Just send me the booklet. Well, you know, I don't know. I've, I'm so used to now just being able to find any song at like the touch of a finger <laughs> I know. and getting it like as soon as it, you know, midnight or whatever day it releases, it'll, it'll come on. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, I know if dream theater with the last album, there were people in other, another hemisphere who were they getting get it the first, record yeah. at midnight and then they're yeah. posting reviews and, and you're like, like, I haven't no, heard it yet. It's yeah, a spoiler. Yeah. All right. Well, my number six is going to be wait for sleep. Oh, interesting. and yeah. this one's weird for me because I kind of, I almost kind of view this as part of learning to live, <laughs> mostly because they mm. share like musical elements, you know, yeah. in places. So I think if, if you know, if you were to combine those, this is going to end up much higher, which you'll see when we get to learning to live. But um, on this own, it's a great song. I, I really like the simplicity of it, you know, and it has really, there's some really interesting rhythms happening. Um, the, the melodies are great. Um, but I just think, there's other songs that are more interesting to me. But, I mean, yeah, this, I see. I can see how you'd land it there. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 beautiful. And actually, I really, I have a a, a real appreciation for Kevin Moore on these first couple of Dream Theater albums. You know, yeah. Obviously, Rudis is ridiculous, but Kevin Moore wrote really good parts. You know, and and he performed them well. He's not like the insane virtuoso, but um, yeah, these are memorable, memorable keyboard parts. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I agree. So, that's my number six. Uh, okay, well, my number five is "Wait for Sleep." Oh, okay. Well, we're close. So we were we were close. <laughs> it, I had I had one version of this list where I had it second. Oh, okay. Um, because I kind of went through this mental exercise of well, is you know, is a song only Dream Theater if everybody's playing, and okay. or should I think of it differently that way? And I thought, no, quintessentially, uh, this is Dream Theater without all the rest of the guys. And um, I think it's, um, more ties Petrucci for me is in being one, uh, best lyricist in the band. Um, I think he has a way of communicating um, kind of in a, a less abstract way than some of the other guys do with their lyrics. And I love, I love the lyrics to this song. And I went through and was looking at some of the time, like he's bouncing between five, four and six, eight um, in doing it. And so you can't, it's hard to count and you're way better at counting stuff than I am. Yeah. So I had to look it up, but, um, yeah, for that, for that, for that, the lyrical, um, expression, um, and how it resolves at the very, in the very last line, it's just so artful. And, um, I miss him in the band for that reason. And for the reason that you just gave, which is, I think, um, he might not be as virtuoso as Rudess, but he, he had a way of writing a, a part that just sort of worked so well in the context of the rest of the tune. Um, and that's, that's a rare keyboard gift. Yeah. So. It's a good composer. Um, yeah. That part you're talking about, that's the same part that happens. It pretty much happens rhythmically exactly the same in learning to live. It's uh, okay. uh, three bars of five, eight, and then a bar of two, four. And then the, all those five, eight bars then become six, eight bars the second time around. So it kind of like gets expanded. Um, I won't go into one of my analysis things here, but that's it is a it is a very cool rhythm, and it like the way it kind of it feels like it grows the second time it repeats. It's really cool. Yeah, 
Um, that's one of my favorite parts of learning to live too is when that comes back. So my number five is going to be the controversial one for, for my list, which is Metropolis. <laughs> uh, and once again, this is nothing to do with this being a bad song. Cause obviously it's on a great album and I'm putting it, you know, in the middle, but, um, I need to spell that properly. There we go. I think my my issue with this, I always start with the bad things, but my issue with this is uh, it feels like there's a little bit of a lack of, of cohesive ideas through the whole thing. Um, like once you hit the instrumental section, pretty much, I don't think at that point there's almost anything from earlier that comes back at all, you know? And I don't necessarily mean, need songs to be like constantly bringing back ideas all the time. Um, but it kind of, the instrumental section to me, while it's like the, the classic dream theater instrumental, it's maybe too noodly and all over the place in some, in some spots. Too noodly. I know it's amazing for me, for for me to say that. Um, the, but, but at the same time, I love the energy of this song, like just in general, like it has so, so much like, like power and aggression to it through the entire thing. So yeah. any any like issues which aren't really issues that I have with it are pretty much neg- negated by the the sort of vibe of the whole song. And and obviously yeah, that this, is a controversial. It, I think uh, it is, pick. yeah, for sure. That, that so far that's your most controversial pick. Because I think or, most or people would probably put this at one at the, at first place, probably. Yeah. Um, although I have seen a split with this song, like. I'm on some Dream Theater Facebook groups and stuff, and they there was a like a sort of a, a bracket like ranking that people did. They'd vote, you know, two they one song against another until you got to the the best song. And and I think Metropolis won overall, but there was also a ton of people that put it super low. So it was almost yeah. like most people like put this at the very top, and then there's a decent amount of people that have it actually fairly down towards the bottom. So. Yeah, there's yeah. There's I think there's um an interesting dynamic with the record, particularly with fans that have been fans for a long time of uh the lens of nostalgia. Yep. Um and 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 um I don't know, this sort of saturation with some songs that have been played so much. I, I think that's sometimes why you see pull me under, like you had it um further down. Um but I'll I'll give my sort of defense of that higher on my list. But I think that I think that it's impossible to do these kinds of rankings without these kinds of factors creeping in. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and one thing I will say about this song is that it led the way for Metropolis two part two at some point, which is probably my favorite dream theory album or one thing you know, it's at the very top. So there's, and this is an incredibly important song. I think it is kind of like a cl- the classic example of a dream theater song. So um, I understand why it's as famous as it is and as popular as it is. For sure. I think, I think if I was younger, if you had asked me this when I was, you know, a huge, like a massive fanboy, you know, when I was 20 or whatever, I probably would have put this as number one. But yeah, that's, that's an interesting, uh, makes me think of that father who took a picture of his daughter, like every, every day yeah. of her life. And then they did the montage and sure grow. Like you could do that. You could do this ranking every, all through your, every year and see, yeah, yeah. And see how your tastes have changed over time. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Because the things that I wanted out of dream theater when I first started listening to them are very different than the things that I want now or that I enjoy now. So that's just the nature of growing up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I see in the community and this is, um, this isn't a, a negative comment about the community, but there are 
clearly fans who really are enamored of Dream Theater's metal side, and they 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 can't get too much of it. Yeah. And then there's other fans for whom this record is the pinnacle of everything they ever wrote because it's to them they they've described it as the most progressive. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it um it's all Dream Theater, um, but yeah, that's a, it's an interesting lens through your lens changes as you review the material. Yeah. Yep. And and also, you know, as I've gotten better as a musician and started to like be able to analyze stuff more, it's like in some ways that changes my opinion completely. In in some cases, unfortunately, it lessens my opinion of certain things, but it can also increase in my opinion of of other things. So it's kind of that's a really good point because um one of the things I've been doing some vocalizing to some dream theater stems. And one of the things that um I've known for a long time but becomes much more evident to me as I'm actually vocalizing over them, is how effortlessly James delivered uh, so much, especially early, and um, is deceptive. Like some of the the vocal work on this is, he makes it sound deceptively easy, and it's not. Um, and so now I have a deeper appreciation for what he's done vocally now than I even did when I first heard the record. Yeah, and so my, I, I understand what you're talking. Metropolis about. is a another great example of of Labrie's vocals too on this album. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we're halfway there. We got for number four. Surrounded. Surrounded. Okay. I really, really like this tune. I had this t- higher in different permutations. Um, as, as sort of the sort of stereotypical um, progressive um, abstract lyric writing goes, this one's probably my favorite. I mean, you can ground it and, you know, your own experiences decide what it means, but I love the the hope expressed in the lyrics here. And I think that they did a good job with the music. I think they work backwards. I think the lyrics and stuff come later. So um, they had already sort of created the the audio bed that had that sort of sonic signature for me. But when I listened to this song, I literally feel hopeful. Um, so that's why I've had this even higher on my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I love that. I love the very lush frame on it at the beginning and end. Yeah. It's got nice different, sections to it as you go along um and uh that leads me right to my number four which is also surrounded great <laughs> uh-huh. uh, on one so yeah yeah um and i think i agree with with everything you say there this is i think this is like the most uh i guess uplifting song on the album probably i gotta remember how to spell yeah, surrounded here. That, that's how that's how it it um it just nailed it i when i do lyric writing to tunes i write um it, I usually am responding emotionally to the music and that leads me to um, yeah. images and words. I mean, <laughs> yeah, make a really bad pun. <laughs> and I, I have to feel like that's what, what happened here when, uh, who, who actually wrote the lyrics on this oh, one? Is this John? Oh, I believe so. Yeah. Um, I should know this cause I just looked it all up. I'm pretty sure it's John. I know it's not Portnoy and I know it's Portnoy actually didn't write any lyrics on images and words. I don't think. Which is interesting because he wrote a lot more as it went later on, but yeah, it feels like a Petrucci lyric to me. Yeah, but I haven't looked at it. I up. really like the two different sections of the song. It has two very kind of different feels. You know, it's like the quieter, slower intro, and then you have that more upbeat part that with the cool nine four rhythm, and then that really delayed guitar solo, which we've always really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting use of cool use of delay. Uh, there's some uh, my favorite part is the light to dark dark to light with like the going up and down with the with the melody i really love that yeah. part yeah yeah um That's and this to me i guess turn. i don't know i've always kind of thought of this as a ballad 
in like yeah, it's got ballad esque parts. Yeah, sure. and so like I th- you know, if I was to compare this to another day, for instance, which is obviously at the bottom of my list, uh, I think this does like the proggy ballad type thing much more effectively for me. Mm. So that's kind of why yeah. I have it up where it is. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good way to describe it, like as a prog ballad. Yeah, uh, the other one's much more traditionally ballad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, top three. Uh, number three for me is "Pull Me Under." Okay. Um, I, you know, the the thing that I thought about when I was ranking it here is, um, when I first heard it, it kind of just really, um, really sucked me in. Like I was, I, I loved the heavy guitar. I loved the sort of epic mythic open, and then I loved the when it started to get really crunchy. Um, and I, I, I feel like there's been times when I've had it even higher than this, like if in just in back of my head um and i try i decided for the purpose of this conversation i wasn't going to pull it down just because it it's so played yeah, yeah. um and so discussed um i i tried to remember what it was like when i first heard this song and i and i first heard james hitting those really big notes in um in the chorus and hearing it by the way at least where i lived on local radio um i was you know so all of that, uh, remembering all of that sort of helped me pull it higher on my list to number three. Yeah. So it, it, like I don't have the, um, you know, I was four years old when this album came out. So it's not like I heard it on the radio or watched the music video. <laughs> um, so I don't have any, you know, I don't have any feelings of it that way. I came to uh, this album, you know, I kind of went, I, Train of Thought was my first Dream Theater album. And then I went backwards oh. from there and listened to everything else. Um so like I don't have any sort of of those kind of associations with pull me under. So I just kind of I was able to kind of just listen to it as as just as like any of the other songs, you know. Yeah. Not even thinking of it as being like a hit. And and I don't like I don't want to be that person because I'm not. That's like I don't like this song because it's their most popular song. <laughs> you know, as be like this sure. is too popular. I hate it. Like that's definitely not how I feel. But yeah. Uh, my number three is take the time. And this to me is classic fun dream theater um that's always how i think of this song is just like it's fun <laughs> yeah like, really energetic and um i re- the chorus is 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 nice and catchy and i love the instrumental section in the middle um there's like that bluesy riff like i love all that all that stuff yeah. and the keyboard solo on this song i will say is i think probably my favorite kevin moore keyboard solo towards the one that happens in the in the instrumental part yeah yeah um the the samples at the beginning and the rap thing is it's like eh, for me <laughs> but um i know that that the guys were into especially porno was into that stuff back in the 90s so um yeah it's um it, it's the song the chorus feels the m- most um Cliche is the wrong term, but it's like the with all the backups and stuff, it's the most Desmond Childy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and so it, the chorus is actually like I love all of the other stuff more than the chorus. Um, but it, you know, I, I some ways I hate even ha- uh, having a list because yeah, yeah. Um, so I know we've said that a couple of times, but um, so I can see why you have it up there. But it, I probably let the fact that I've heard this so much bleed too much into how i thought about it um because i i i i can't tell you how many recordings i have that have this tune on it yeah yeah um i i will say if if this was the 
edited version they did for the music video would be at the bottom because <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> terrible. I don't know if you've heard that. But. I have, yeah. I, I hate yeah, the, I hate radio edits of of like especially of long prog songs like they just take away all the cool parts from the song. They did that to pull me under too. The radio edit on pull me under takes out all that cool middle stuff that makes it proggy. You're exactly right. I don't know if I've heard the radio edit of pull me under. Was the the music video for pull me under was the whole song though? No, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, uh no. The way I remember it is they did a because uh, it's a really long track. Yeah, I yeah. Remember that's the time. Um, and they, I think even with the radio edit, it was still long for radio and MTV. Yeah. So I don't think it had all the cool dreamy stuff in the center. Mm-hmm. I may be misremembering, um, but I remember being upset when I, when I got the record, um, that the radio wasn't playing the, the, the full version. version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. That's commerce <laughs> for you. Yeah. All right. Number two. Uh, Under a Glass Moon. Okay. Uh, I love this song for so many reasons. Vocally, it's so challenging. Like uh, I've I've had, like you mentioned, I've had James on my show, and um, I, he did, many of the the vocal tracks, especially on this record, he just kind of starts in another place um, in terms of his note selection, and he makes it sound so easy to do that this song vocally is very challenging. And um, but he makes it sound like, you know, he's singing an octave down uh, compared to a lot of other metal singers. So the vocal part by itself. But this is another one that kind of has this um, this hopefulness in it that um, undergirds a lot of the whole record for me. But, um, you know, I just uh, this is one that I will hit repeat on when I'm doing a linear listen. So that's why. I got yeah. Okay. It's a high ranking. Well, we are in agreement on another one because that's my number two as well. Oh, nice. Um, well, we know what your number one yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you too then. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I would agree with everything you said about the song. I love this to me um, is the example of like an aggressive, uh, heavier Dream Theater song on this album that works really well. Um, any of the problems that I had with Pull Me Under, which aren't really that many, are are done better, in, in I think, on this song. Um, and of course the guitar solo, which is just still, I mean, most people would consider it probably to be Petrucci's best, but, um, it's definitely up there for me. I don't know if it's my favorite Petrucci solo, but, uh, it's that one that you, you, you know, I learned when I was 18 and I'll never forget how to play that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of a solo. So many cool yeah. things in there. And, um, even just the, like the riffing underneath the chorus is absolutely so hard to play. Like I just learned this recently. I think by the time this video is out, my cover will be out of this song too. Um, but like even just playing that chorus part, there's so fast and there's so many different things happening. And like, usually in a chorus, you just like power chord, power chord. And it's like, it's, it's awesome to have the kind of intricate parts happening everywhere. Um, yeah. I really like that bridge part with the, with the crazy rhythms. Um, it's, it all works super well for me. So. Yeah. There's, um, there's, there's some work that goes on in the verses that is so frenetic underneath a very, um, more um a longer turn vocal turns of phrase and so the um it's interesting like i i usually list the voice listen to voice first and i made an effort when i was listening it to it for this conversation to listen more to the stuff underneath there's a lot going on underneath this very sort of floaty um line that james is singing over the top of it and i think that's probably um that you know that's emblematic of a lot of how dream theater writes but this particular song just brings that 
to bear in spades. So I say I'm a huge fan of this tune. Yeah, and it's hard to to do that stuff and still make it sound like a good song because it's so easy if you're writing just like crazy riffing underneath of a chorus or something for it to actually you know sound like a good song and not just like here's as crazy as we can possibly go kind of a thing yeah and there's an there's an instinct i think that you fight or can i certainly do sometimes to want to match all of that sort of movement with a vocal line like you you know it's it's um contagious and so to find a way to weave something over the top of it that makes sense um it's just a this is one this is i think maybe an example of what i was describing before as it um, and the evolution and the maturity of their writing. Yeah. But um, yeah, this, there's, there's nothing bad about this song. Um, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the writing in general is very good on this album, especially for being their second album. Uh, I do think there are some things songwriting wise, they improved as they went along. Um, sure. And that's kind of why like my favorite era, of course it's the era I first listened to, but the era of dream theater from like, you know, Metropolis part two through like Octavarium, that kind of like areas is tends to be my favorite. Cause I think they kind of found a really good balance of the technical stuff and the songwriting, but when they hit that point, um, yeah, like that's, that was my thing with Metropolis, which you're going to talk about here in a second. Obviously it was like, it just feels like maybe the songwriting wasn't like quite there in some places at that point. But see, that's interesting because I feel the same way kind of about learning to live where I feel like they do an artful job of weaving it together, but it definitely feels like different parts that they wove together. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, versus, um, you know, and, and it, I'm sure probably if we were talking to them, they'd be like, no, no, man, we, we, we very thoughtfully came to the next part as a consequence of what we had just read. Yeah. Um, but, but just as a, as a knee jerk reaction, it's um, that's a little bit, my experience with learning to live. I love it all. And I think that they have skill to sort of take parts and make them, you know, a a whole. Um, But for me, the, the, that I invert that with metropolis where it's, it seems to me, and maybe this is just a bias that going into each next part um, is it's got some purpose uh, as it grows. So that I mean, I'll get to that in a second because I know you're still on under glass moon. But I don't know that's pretty much all I got to say on under glass moon. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, you good. Well, then, yeah, my number one is Metropolis, and I know this is such a cliche or yeah, obvious yeah. pick, um, and I tussled with it because I had versions that had other songs first, but I kind of again I tried to think it through as uh, without any of the other context, which is impossible, but at least I tried. And what I kind of came to is. Um, the, it's quintessential dream theater for me in that it's got some of that sort of um, that soft sort of uh, mythic um, clean picking and setting this kind of tone for, and you know that they're going to explode at some point. Um, it has James doing these vocal gymnastics where he starts in this very soft place setting it there's a narrative element of course to this it's, it's also very abstract like you know they're giving they're personifying ideas like love and death but they um when they get in when he starts building and building and finally gets to where he's kind of at this altitude vocally and maintaining it over a period of time and then after all these vocal athletics and he holds this note for like nine seconds 
um, before they go into their crazy instrumental section. It's just like, it, it's kind of, for me, it's all the pistons are firing all the time on this tune. Um, and the way they drop out of it to go back to like resetting for James to come back in and do this another ascent is just really masterful. Like in some ways, I think the songwriting on this song is um, um, presages some of the songwriting that comes later mm. that you might argue is even more mature. So I, I did think about this pick. Not, it's not just like, oh, well, of course, Metropolis, because everybody loves that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, I have this one at the top. And I, I love that it creates this narrative hook for um, what they did later with Scenes from a Memory, even though I um, I don't think they knew at the time that that was going to be a thing. Well, yeah, they, I don't think they'd planned for that to be a thing. But when you label it part one, then everyone wants a part two, right? Yeah. That yeah. means everyone's going to want part three at some point, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that the risk, of course, is like, how do you top part two? Yeah, you, I don't think you can. <laughs> well, obviously, that means my number one is learning to live, and yeah. it, it's hard. Like, I don't want to. Like, it's easy for me to like just kind of like justify my learning to live pick by ragging on Metropolis, but I don't want to do that because that's not <laughs> how I feel. Um, just because it's down at number five on an awesome album, so um, I think this for me this has like the full range of what dream theater is. And that's kind of why I love it so much. Mm. Um, I feel like it has more of a dynamic range than pretty much any of the other songs on this album. Uh, it has a very, it has very quiet moments. It has super loud moments. It's got some technical moments. Um, one thing that I like about this is all the like sort of noodly stuff in the middle. It doesn't feel quite as over the top and it feels a little more connected to the song as a whole to me. Um, and I really love the callback, which I already talked about the callback to wait for sleep, you know, in the one section there. Um, and then you have the big F sharp, the class, the famous F sharp note, you know, in the middle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's great. Um, and then, you know, I try to find a live video of him singing it and to see how, how well he does it. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember they did, they did this song when I, the first time I saw him, which was on the, the score tour, the end of the Octavarium tour. And they did this song and he like, at that tour, he was really nailing everything on that tour. And I just remember that when that note came around, I was like, yeah, <laughs> like he absolutely slayed it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just everything about this song works for me. Um, I really love the chorus at the end when it comes back, which is kind of like a, a more straightforward expanded version of the chorus from earlier. I love that kind of stuff. And then the outro with the harmonics on the guitar, just everything about, everything about this song works, works really well for me. Being a, especially yeah, I, being a prog guy. <laughs> I, well, I was just going to say that I know a lot of prog fans, not necessarily even big Dream Theater fans, but they just love progressive music. And I think I mentioned earlier, so they love this album in ways that they don't like as much of the rest of the Dream Theater that they think gets too heavy. Yeah. Um, and this is their, the, these these particular friends who fall into this category, this is their favorite song. Um, I, I you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, the soft parts in this are probably other than maybe wait for sleep are, are some of the yeah. most relaxed and the most open. Um, it, it, when I, the first time I heard it and even still it plays in my mind, almost like a soundtrack. Like I can see the character walking through a cityscape when I listen to it yeah. and it does. So it does a really good job of achieving that goal. Um, so I, and I'm, so I can't say anything, everything you said about it is right. Um, it, it, it it just doesn't quite move me as yeah. much as the other ones do. So, I mean, what what it really should be is 
our ranking for me should be 1.1. 1. 1, yeah, 1. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I can see how this is this ends up because I know a lot of your musical tastes and I anticipated that this would be where we diverge. Yeah. It's funny that it's, well, I guess Metropolis and Learning to Live are like, I guess Metropolis is in the bottom for me, but they're like kind of split back and forth, which Pretty, is yeah. interesting. Uh, it's funny for me because like I am more of a metal guy when it comes to dream theater because the first album i got was train of thought and that's still like one of my favorites and i love that super heavy side of dream theater so it is maybe kind of interesting that this is the song from this album that i like the most but um but you have some pretty uh, oh yeah i mean i have very progressive taste i think um but i I think of heavy dream theater is kind of that happens like really heavy dream theater happens later you know yeah i guess it kind of starts with awake but like the really heavy dream theater starts with like you know six degrees of inner turbulence at least in my mind so yeah when yeah. the real the, right. the seven string starts to really take over and it's funny like i don't know if i was to rank my that would be a crazy video to just drink rank every dream theater song we can do an eight oh, hour wow. video i don't oh even know gosh. if i could do that marathon but, um, that would be so hard i could rank albums like that would be, albums, that'd be easier but- but that you know, if you limit yourself to studio albums, it's like fifteen. Yeah, yeah. You could include, but that's a the the task of ranking. I don't even know how many individual tracks they have. Hundred sixty. It's between hundred and fifteen, two hundred probably. I don't know I how mean, you would do that, but it would be it, it's a fun thought exercise. But like at some point, I don't know how you start creating differentiation between yeah, one hundred and twenty and a yeah, especially if, if there's like a bunch. For me, there'd be like a bunch in the middle. You know, I'd be, I I don't know how yeah. I'd even do that. Yeah. How do you decide which one's above which? Um, it goes, I, I'm not sure on my top Dream Theater songs of all time, but Learning to Live is in the top five, probably. Yeah? Yeah, probably. Oh, uh, so. I, I would, that's a good, that's a good question. I I would say Under a Glass Moon and Metropolis might make my top five. Okay. Um, That's a, but that's a, I haven't thought about that. That's a, see, I'm one of those guys, um, I love going back to the old stuff, but um, I use I listen more to the new stuff than I do the old stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I I really I don't know if it's it, I, not it's not deliberate maybe, but I listen to the stuff that's more that is most recent, and I just really kind of groove on that till I get the next thing. I'm just happy they're still writing new music. Yeah, it is crazy I've been going this long and still pumping out you know high quality music. Yeah. Um, and, and like I hadn't listened to this album straight through for a couple of years until, you know, I was doing all this stuff for for the anniversary. And it was a yeah. it was a really good re-listen, you know, <laughs> to kind of go through it again, because um, I have so much nostalgia attached to this early Dream Theater stuff that is, you know. Yeah, I'm the same way. Listening to it again, I, I, I knew I remembered it being awesome, but going through it, I reacquainted with myself with why I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you know, I've listened to this record so many times that um, it's hard it's hard to it's hard to really rank them because yeah. depending on like I, we could do this again tomorrow and my my ranking would be different. Yeah, I, I could. There's a few of these that I could totally switch around. You know, I think my ones on the outside would probably stay the same, but like uh, it, a lot of those ones in the middle could go up or down one or two spots like very easily. So yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a little bit of a mood thing that happens yeah, when yeah. you're going through but it was fun it was fun i appreciate you yeah thanks uh, for inviting me to do it because uh, i figured you'd be the go through it. you'd be the perfect person for this because you have a, a you also have a great love for dream theater but you also have very different kind of uh things that you like too so yeah 
I didn't want to yeah. like have someone on and just have the exact same list as, as someone else. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. It'd be interesting to to see if you did this with another progressive metal guitar player, if your lists are more similar um, versus I, someone who's a yeah maybe vocalist or a. I don't know if they. I don't know if they would be. It kind of depends on the person, I guess. Yeah, Um, yeah. You bring your own. You know, that's why. Like, uh, I've got tunes on the Awake record that, in the last few years of my life, have just started to kick my butt because of. um, So a lot of it's lyrical. So I think I think Man Seasons Alive really plays a part in how you think about these tunes. Yeah, my ranking would have been. I wish I would have made a ranking ten years ago, and I could have compared, you know, to now and yeah. see see where it goes. Yeah, Morgan but, then and Morgan now. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure my my rankings would change in the future too. So, well, thanks for uh, coming on yeah, with me, Peter. This is uh, super fun to do. So, yeah, yeah, appreciate uh, everyone. The go everyone, go check out Peter's channel. I'll link everything below um, for him, and then you know, I think we'll we might do something where I'll jump on his his channel at some point too. So, yeah, we'll yeah. Well, out. everyone have a have a good day, and as always. Stay proggy.